Let me pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word that speaks powerfully to us. And we pray now as we reflect upon these words of Jesus in Luke's Gospel that you might open our eyes, uh, help us to understand your word. Uh, Lord, that your spirit might transform us to become more like Jesus in all we do and say. Lord, this we ask in his name. Amen. Well, uh, in the sort of early days of my, uh, for lack of a better term, ministry career, uh, I, I, I made a mistake in relation to how I was dealing with someone I was in conflict with. Uh, and this person used to tell me uh, constantly uh, what a fine uh, person they were, uh, how many decades of service they'd put into the community, uh, and how much they deserved not only my respect, but uh, their own way as a reward for all that they had done. Now, it turned out that as well as having done a lot of good things, this person had also done a few things that were a little bit undermining. And so I thought, I better meet with them and sort it out. Anyway, to cut a long story short, uh, though their behaviour had been a little bit undermining and a bit inappropriate, I most certainly was not without blame either. There'd been a few things that I'd done along the way because I got frustrated or I you know, wasn't quite sure what to do or uh, I was inexperienced uh, where I mishandled things and I had made things worse. So I decided we needed to have a meeting where we could address some of her behaviour and I could apologise for some of mine. And so we did. We met uh, and uh, as we began our meeting, uh, I began with my apologies. I did this wrong, I should have done this better, I can see how you, you've misunderstood me here. Uh, I'm sorry about this, I'm sorry about that, will you please forgive me? And uh, the person who I was dealing with said, not thank you, or not uh, I forgive you, but it's about time you realised what a silly little boy you are, <laughs> basically. Uh, uh, and it's about time that uh, you realise that this is all your fault. Uh, and I was like, well, well, hang on, there's a second part of this meeting. Uh, and I started to point out some of the things that I felt maybe uh, had been inappropriate on uh, their, their side of things. Uh, and no, it was actually me, all me. No apologies, no nothing, no admission of wrong. Uh, and it was quite a bizarre moment. Um, and as the meeting ended three hours later, uh, not only did... Uh, the person leave with me unforgiven for the mistakes that I had made uh, and failed to repent, but they then proceeded to lead a whole bunch of people into sin by forcing them onto their team against me. Now, it's a bit of a depressing story to start the new year with, isn't it? But nonetheless, I tell you this because uh, that person is a bit of a warning to us uh, about uh, what happens when we don't take the words of Jesus seriously. When we fail to hear the words of Jesus and to put them into practice, uh, when we think that we're beyond reproach and we don't need to hear uh, God's gracious correcting words which help us to live a full and good life. 
we fail to hear the words of Jesus and to put them into practice, then though we might think we're an upstanding citizen and a very good Christian, there's actually nothing Christian about ignoring Jesus. And so uh, we get to our reading today. Uh, A reading that really has three parts. Uh, Stumbling in verses uh, 1 through to the first half of verse 3. Uh, a thing about forgiveness in verses, uh, the second half of verse 3 to verse 6, and then this bit about unworthy servants in verses 7 through 10. So we'll take a look at those three bits and see what they have for us as we seek to be followers of Jesus uh, at the start of 2021. Well, verses 1 to 3, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. Jesus here uh, addressing his disciples uh, and saying to them, be careful in your exercising of leadership. Be careful not to cause others to stumble. Now, he may be specifically saying children, but I don't think when he says little ones, he, he, he especially means children, though that would be a great uh, 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 shame indeed. But rather, uh, he's talking about those under whom God give, uh, those to whom God gives us uh, some sort of Christian leadership over, those uh, to whom we are charged with the responsibility of discipling. The Christian disciples uh, uh, need to be careful to not cause those whom they are passing on the faith to, to stumble. And that very often, for many of us, is indeed children, but not always. Jesus says, you're better off drowning. And not, not nice drowning, if you can drown in a nice way, like really seriously drowning with a millstone on your feet so there's no hope at all of you coming up for air. You're better off having a horrible kind of mafia-style death than you are having the responsibility for the spiritual growth of others and mishandling that responsibility in such a way that causes them to stumble or to sin. That's why it's important to take God's word seriously. Jesus is saying, if your job is to help someone grow in their faith and what you actually do is stop them from growing and cause them to, in fact, fail to repent of their sin, stumble over something that God says when they didn't need to, that this is a serious, serious thing indeed. It's important to take God's word seriously. Now, the Anglican Church around the world is currently imploding over this kind of thing. You'll know if you follow any church politics, and hopefully none of you do, so you'll have no idea what I'm talking about, Uh, but if you can't but help it, you'll know that the Anglican Church around the world is imploding because of this sort of issue, that there are people out there who put on their collars and who trumpet their status as ministers in the church, but who lead people to stumble, who call sin holy, and who are placing disciples of Jesus into a very bad place indeed. 
Of course, that issue that uh, uh, is at the forefront of this fight is the issue of homosexuality. If we twist the truth and make it say that sin is good and that causes people to fail to repent of their sin, then this is a diabolical situation indeed. And as someone who's been charged with the uh, position and authority and responsibility uh, to shepherd the flock, this is why sometimes you and I might find ourselves in a, in a long meeting uh, where I'm apologising to you, but I'm also bringing rebuke to you because it's my job to help you not to stumble, to repent of your sin. Because God says, if I cause you to stumble, if I just let you carry on doing things that are clearly contrary to God's word, then I'd be better off dead, drowned, than face God's judgment. Sin is serious. And we're called as Christians to help people to turn from sin to Christ. But sin, though it is serious, it is also inevitable. And that's why Jesus moves from stumbling and and the seriousness of that to forgiveness. He says, uh, second half of verse 3, if a brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And he replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Jesus calls here for the rebuke of sin and quickness to forgive. This kind of picture that Jesus imagines here is a picture of community. He's he's talked about people who have authority to grow grow up the next generation or or those who are less mature than them. They've got a serious job to do and helping them not to stumble. Uh, But also then, as we live collectively and inevitably fall short of God's standards, uh, Jesus now calls us to this community of rebuke and forgiveness. And so, if we want to see the kind of reality that Jesus uh, speaks of here, we need to be committed to living holy lives together in community. Jesus is assuming here that we encourage one another and honestly support one another in our relationship with God and then we rebuke uh, as needed and we repent as needed and we forgive as needed. What Jesus is not suggesting here is that um, we somehow uh, appoint a committee, let's we could appoint a subcommittee of parish council and they could be the sin rebukers and they could sit there holier than thou and watch you live your lives and, uh, and, and sort of beep, you sinned, repent now please. This is not the picture. The picture is living our life together as Christians calling each other out, having conversations, doing it in a place of mutual love, trust and respect and then forgiving one another uh, when repentance comes. 
This is just life lived in community, isn't it? Stuff goes wrong. Anyone who's married here, if you're still married, you've probably said sorry once or twice, and you've probably called out your husband or wife once or twice. And the same goes for Christian community. So, when someone gets to rebuking you, remember that they are actually doing what Jesus calls us to. And instead of getting offended or denying it, or thinking that some sort of slight on, the on your personal character, cop it on the chin, consider your behaviour, and if the person is right, repent. Say sorry. And if you're the one who's doing the rebuking, be prepared for that to occur. Sometimes we like to rebuke uh, and, uh, and hope that no repentance comes so we can feel self-righteous. But instead, we must be ready in our hearts when we bring a rebuke to receive the repentance and offer forgiveness. I also say here that you'll notice that Jesus makes forgiveness conditional. He says, if they repent, you must forgive them. Now, we can often think that forgiveness is something that gets granted unconditionally. So we might think someone steals my car overnight, I wake up in the morning, I discover it's missing, uh, and automatically, as a Christian, I need to offer them forgiveness. But of course, that forgiveness is totally divorced from any sort of relationship. I've got no idea who it is who stole my car, I don't know what's going on. I can bear them no bitterness and pray for the person and hope that, you know, they're finding good use for my car, but that's not forgiveness, that's, that's sort of Christian charity. Well, I think we need to do a little bit more work as Christians uh, understanding forgiveness properly. Because forgiveness, whilst being a free gift of grace from God, uh, is also conditional. Isn't it? It's conditional on repentance and faith, on trusting Him. And what is the fruit of our forgiveness from God? It's relationship, restored relationship. And so when we practice what God has shown to us in forgiving us for our sins, then likewise, uh, our forgiveness requires repentance and requires relationship. We certainly don't want to feel bitter about people we don't know and who don't repent and we, we need to work on our hearts and, and, and pray for opportunities uh, to, to confront and to build relationship and to offer forgiveness. But forgiveness is something that happens in relationships. My car gets stolen, I ought to ask God to help me not be bitter, not to be resentful, but I can't actually offer forgiveness until the police catch the thief until I, maybe we find ourselves in court, until I get to give my statement, he gets to state uh, his guilt. And if he steals my car again, when he gets out of jail, then Jesus is calling me to extend grace again. If he steals my car seven times in one day, and he continues to come back to me in relationship and says, sorry, 
I just needed some milk. I'm sorry, I should have asked, but I stole your car again. If we have a relationship then we can, and he repents, uh, we can continue to build on that relationship and to enter a relationship of rebuke and repentance. I might say, hey, mate, seven times in one day, seriously. And you go, you know what, I'm sorry, but I just really like stealing cars and I'm really trying not to. Relationship, rebuke, repentance, forgiveness. Forgiveness is conditional in, in, in the sense that it requires relationship, it requires repentance, but it's also unconditional in that Jesus says you, you're to offer it seven times a day. Conditional on repentance, unconditional in offer. And it's really good that that's what forgiveness is like because that's the kind of forgiveness God offers to us. Conditional on repentance, but unconditional in its offering of times. Forgiveness comes to us again and again and again. That's why uh, in a moment we'll confess our sins together and we know that God's forgiveness will come. It comes unconditionally uh, to us upon the condition of repentance. It's conditionally unconditional, if that makes any sense to you. So, that's pretty hard, isn't it? To think that God is calling us in, in relationship to be rebuking each other for our sins, to be repenting of our sins when we are rebuked, and to, uh, when we receive repentance, be constantly offering forgiveness. That's hard. That's why the disciples hear Jesus say that and go, whew, increase our faith, verse 5. Increase our faith. That's impossible. How could we do that? Increase our faith. And Jesus' response is interesting, isn't it? He says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mouldy tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. What's Jesus' answer to the disciples' request for more faith? You don't need it. You don't need more faith. You just need some. And with a little faith, God can do a marvellous thing. A little faith can do surprising things. Sometimes as Christians, we get very upset about feeling like we don't have enough faith. But Jesus says to the disciples, a little faith has massive results because it's a little faith in a huge God. We don't need more faith, we just need our faith in the right place, in the God who extends grace and mercy and forgiveness and love and empowerment by the Spirit. That's enough. Trusting God just a little to start to see this kind of uh, unconditional, conditional forgiveness, repentance, rebuking, kind of flow out of our life together in community. So when we have a little faith, we then go to work serving God, which is what Jesus moves to next as he finishes our reading today. Suppose one of you have a servant ploughing or looking after the sheep, will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? 
Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because what he did, because he did what he was told to do? Should, so you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done our duty. See, as Christians, we know that we're saved by God's grace because of who he is and we respond to God and serve God because he is the one who's created us and who's redeemed us and whom we have done nothing to contribute to that at all. I remember when I was uh, on my uh, first uh, appointment course in the army and each day we would have a personal trainer who would come and try and make us fitter, clearly failed in my case. Uh, and uh, they, they, they would do their thing and we would all politely at the end say, oh, thank you so much for today, that was really good, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, every time they would say, don't say thank you, in their gruff kind of way, uh, I'm just doing my job. I don't want to be thanked, I'm just doing my job. They were serving their country, they were doing their duty because it's what they felt they were called to do and they required no thanks from little uh, me uh, who was uh, struggling to breathe. It, it, it was their duty. And so it is for the Christian, right? We serve God as unworthy servants because what else is there to do? It's what we're made for. It's what the creator of this universe deserves. Unfortunately, uh, much of uh, the stuff I uh, kind of read uh, in the Christian blogosphere uh, can be uh, what I might call Tony Robbins plus Jesus. If you know who Tony Robbins is, he's like a self-help guru. It's, it's, it's this idea that you are the centre of the world and God is excited about you joining with him. But he isn't. You are not the centre of the world, he is. You are like the slave that Jesus talks about in these final few verses. Who, who, who is bound to the Creator to do your job. He's God, you're a slave. Now, you're a slave who's loved, absolutely. You're a slave who's forgiven, 100%. But not because you're amazing, not because God just couldn't wait to get you on His team, not because uh, you're going to change the world with Jesus by your side, you're forgiven and transformed and loved because of God, because of His glory, because He made you, He loves you, and He's called you to service. And so there's nothing to do but serve. How do we sum up these 10 verses? 
Well, the disciples' life, the life that you and I live as Christians, is a life that is lived in community. It's lived in community with others and in community with God. And as we live our life together in community, we've seen, haven't we, that we must be careful that we don't cause others to stumble, that we don't lead others into sin. And when sin does occur, we're called to rebuke it, but to be quick to forgive when there is repentance. And we see that we don't need to worry about increasing our faith because just a little and we can see God do surprising things. And with that little faith, we go to serve our great God because it's our duty as his created people to serve him because he deserves it. If we trust God, we can serve him. These words of Jesus, I think, are a call to each of us and a good call at the start of the year to recommit ourselves to humble faith lived in community together. I wonder what it is God's calling you today to repent of, who he's calling you to offer forgiveness to, whom it is you might need to rebuke, and how it is that you can go on causing people not to stumble but to grow in their faith. Jesus is calling us to humble faith, live together. Let's commit ourselves to that today. Amen.